Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Law. Today, I'm joined by Michael Craver, who is a lead counsel of technology and data at Walmart. He first discussed experience being a litigator and where he then moved to being a um, legal counsel at um, Walmart. He discussed his 12 plus years of experience, um, first with being an in-house litigator and now moving on to um, more complex legal challenges um, and in and outbound li- licensing deals um, and, and more innovative initiatives like virtual try-on and generative AI. So listen to our conversation to learn more. All right, so welcome back to Inside the Law. Today I'm joined by Michael Craver. Um, so to begin, what first drew you to becoming a lawyer? Um, well, I think when I was a kid, it was one of the options. I liked to argue. I liked to write. My father was a lawyer, um, but I wasn't really thinking seriously about it. Actually, as I remember it, during college, um, I had friends who were serious about it, and they were starting to study for the LSAT, and they had a clearer sense of what they wanted to do with their lives than I did. But the um, the window to take the LSAT was starting to close. So I said, if I'm ever going to preserve this option, I guess I have to take this test soon. Um, and as I remember it, I had friends who were like complaining that the LSAT, that there were just parts of it that, that were hard to get your head around. And um, it's, it, a lot of those things actually just made intuitive sense to me. Um, so I remember thinking, you know, these are smart people. They have better grades than I do, many of them. Um, and if they're struggling with this thing that I find not to be as much of a struggle and that is um, supposed to be the way we measure a, a individual person's potential to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, the way I viewed all of that was, you know, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. Maybe I'm supposed to be a lawyer. Um, and, and some of the other stuff I was looking into doing after college didn't work out. Um and then, you know, I guess the rest is history, as they say, right? I, I decided to pursue law school and um, I never became one of those people who did something else with their legal degree. I've, I've been a practicing lawyer uh, ever since. Got it. And where did you attend law school? I went to Penn Law in Philadelphia. And how was and what was what was law school like for you? Was it what you expected? Was it different? Was it very different from college? Yeah, it was, yes, it was different. Um, there's, there's kind of uh, a method to it, uh, which you, you sort of learn, right? Like the, as a first year law student, 1L, I don't know if you're familiar with the terminology, but it's a 1L. Um, you know, people are sharing outlines and stuff for the test. And I guess I kind of had a more academic interest. I, I wasn't, I wasn't playing the game necessarily that uh, over time I learned was important to play in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the test is asking, it's testing you on, it's looking to see that you can generate a particular kind of answer. Um, and that didn't come naturally to me. My first grade, my first year grades disappointed me. Um, so in terms of whether it was hard or not, um, yeah, I mean, I was able to turn it around um, kind of by refocusing and, and, getting myself to understand, you know, there's an academic way of looking at it. Like I could, I, I was the kind of person who would stay after class and just have discussions with the professor that I thought were interesting. But over time you learn 
that stuff isn't what's contributing to doing well on the test. <laughs> so um, a couple of disappointing grades on the test got me to kind of readjust the way I focused my attention and, and went about the whole thing. But yeah, it was it was hard uh, just in the sense of like the, the volume and the, and the competitive nature of it. Um, I wouldn't call it easy. Got it, yeah. And um, what would you say were some of the biggest lessons that you learned in law school? And have you used any of these lessons like in your current life um, and your professional life as a lawyer? You know, I I distinctly remember during 1L year when I was going through the first round of tests, like really feeling like I was getting beaten up by it. And um, talking to some friends, some including some who went to law school, but different law school. We were, we were saying like that this experience is designed to actually change the way we think, right? That that's actually what law schools are doing to us. They're, they're taking what our brains were the moment we walked into law school and they're molding those to, to work a different way by the time we leave law school. Um, so I was aware of that kind of as it was happening. It, it's funny in response to your question, like, do I, think of things I learned in law school these days. The, the honest answer is not really. Um, but the reason I led with what I did was, I mean, I, I approached the world aware that my brain will never be the same as it was before I went to law school. So it's hard for me to know, you know, like what I'm doing on any given day or how I'm thinking about something, what part of that is traceable to law school and what part of it is. And I'll, I'll tell you, like sometimes I'll be working through something at work with, with folks who are not lawyers. And it like it might involve just interpreting a sentence or two, and I, I joke with them. I, I say like, you guys might be giving me too much credit. Like those that that one or two sentences, you know how to read. I know how to read. Like it, it I'm not actually bringing much to the table here about what those one or two sentences mean that, that you're not able to get from the same one or two sentences. Um, but that's just a function, I guess, of of what it is be a lawyer is people think you have a different understanding and in many contexts it's true right like in many contexts there are times where someone else and i will look at the same sentence and they'll think there's no problem and i'll say well here's what the problem is and you know um and and away we go so it's hard for like i don't i don't i can't think of anything in law school where i consciously think like oh you know that class during my second year of law school i, I learned you know blank and and i'm still uh, applying that lesson today but i but i am aware like i said that my brain was molded by the experience and now it's hard to distinguish uh you know what parts of the way my brain works are a result of the way law school changed it definitely um and could you briefly explain what jobs you have held since law school and kind of bringing it up to today and what your job is now and explaining that yeah well i i started as a litigator um i was working at new york city law firms litigating I clerked for a judge for one year during that part of my career when I was litigating. Um, I had the unusual experience during my, my, I spent four years at a large firm called Wilkie Foreign Gallagher. That's the firm where I, where I litigated for the longest time. And I had the unusual experience there of actually doing three trials during four years. Most litigators, I was lucky. Most litigators don't get to do that. Uh, because, you know, most cases settle or they take a very long time. And th this was not the result of any particular skill I had. I, I just really got lucky that what I was staffed on went to trial. And, I mean, I, I think 
after maybe the second one, having worked with the same partner, like I think he by then wanted me on the third one. But but in general, this was much more luck than skill that I got to do the three trials, um, including one against the name is Michael Avenatti, who's famous. If that name is not familiar, you can Google it. But he um, he was uh, all over the national news during the last presidential election because he was representing Stormy Daniels. And then he actually um, made national news for a different reason. Uh, he had an, an issue with Nike, and he's actually in jail at the moment. Um, but I, I, I bring that up because it, it's part of – going through that trial against him um, was, was part of – my decision to change and, and not want to be a litigant. Um, so I actually shifted from that large New York law firm to a smaller law firm where I was hoping that maybe litigating in a different environment and different kinds of cases uh, would make me happier. And um, that didn't last very long. Um, and then I went in-house. I, I shifted to being an in-house lawyer, um, you know, for a variety of reasons that I can talk about to the extent they're interesting. But at the end of the day, I think the way the way I simplify it is just I wanted to work with non-lawyers on a day-to-day basis more than being surrounded by lawyers and judges. Um, I, I, I like the act of translating law to non-lawyers. I like the act of giving advice in real time. There's a lot about litigating that I also like and that sometimes miss. Um, but that, that was what motivated the change to go in-house was, was – just at, at bottom, a desire to be around non-lawyers more than I was, um, you know, around other people who thought the same way uh, as a litigator. So uh, I actually worked for my friend's startup company for a little bit as an in-house lawyer and then um, went to a larger company, Sharp Electronics, where I was for six years. And then I left there and I've been at my current job for almost six years. Got it. And can you think of like kind of moving from a litigator to your current job? Can you recall any ch- any challenges that you faced um, in that process, switching from switching jobs? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, most in-house jobs actually don't go to former litigators. I got lucky. Um, I happened to find a litigation department, uh, excuse me, an in-house department at Sharp that was comprised mostly of former litigators. So they valued the experience. And I guess the way it worked was that my initial workload was a variety of things, including some litigation case management, right? So it made sense that if whoever was coming in was going to do some litigation and, and some work that was not litigation, you know, it was either going to be a litigator doing what was comfortable to them and then learning something new, or it was going to be a non-litigator doing something comfortable to them and learning the litigation part that, that felt more natural to me. So in that sense, you know, I got lucky that as a litigator, I was able to make the transition. What I do now, what I do now doesn't involve any litigation, right? I, I don't know that I could have made a direct jump from being a litigator to what I do now. I think it probably had to happen the way it did, where I went from litigating to a job that was partially litigating and then exposed me to other things. And then over time, those other things became a higher percentage of what I was doing in a given week or month. Um, and now the way Walmart is staffed, they have a litigation department and I'm not, <laughs> so I, I don't litigate. It's not part of what I do. Here. Got it. And this kind of, this is our last question on, on litigation, but how would you, how do you think that your experience as a litigator, um, help, help to shape your approach to, um, in, in like legal problem solving? Yeah, it's, 
I mean, you know, I, I guess the standard answer from litigators who went in-house is that, you know, you, you have a sense of where things go sideways. So when you're working on a contract or setting up a relationship, um, it gives you a, a perspective that's valid. I think that's at least partially true. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. If I never had the litigation background, there are people who don't have a litigation background who also do this kind of job fine. So, you know, it's not like it's a requirement. I do think there are times where, you know, having seen things go sideways helps me get ahead of issues and prevent them from going sideways. But honestly, I think the, the most tangible skill, when, when, I, when we're litigating and we're on trial, you know, it's partially a show, right? Like you, you learn the show of taking a critical piece of evidence and, you know, learning how to blow it up on the big screen for the jury to see and learning how to, for example, like put a red text box around the most important part. That's the kind of thing I find myself doing most in my day to day. When people are like, wait, where did, like, why is this the case? And then um, I, I didn't, I didn't used to think of this as a skill because to me, it's just like, well, I, I find the answer to their question and I highlight it. But I think over time I've come to appreciate that it's a, it, it actually is a skill that not everyone has. And I think it's traceable to having been a litigator, learning how to, um, you know, take large bodies of information and communicate the most important parts uh, to outsiders who aren't familiar with all that information most succinctly and persuasively. Got it. Um, and just to kind of move to currently, how do you stay updated on developments um, like in your field and in technology? And like, and how do you um, work on like applying that to your job? Yeah, it, it's hard. Um, part, part of my job relates to privacy laws. Um, and, you know, those are changed. I don't know how familiar you are, but, you know, there are states adopting different privacy laws. There's been talk for a while about the United States adopting a national one. You know, the, the different people have different predictions about whether that will happen and if so, when. Um, you know, it, you, you could theoretically take up all day, you know, learning about the cutting edge of, of various things. And obviously I don't have all day, um, cause I have to actually do the work. So, you know, there are certain publications like for privacy specifically, there's the international association of privacy professionals, um, where I actually spent the time to get a certification there. And I read some of their publication, but it's a balancing act. It's a matter of balancing, you know, how much time am I going to spend reading about the cutting edge new thing that I don't currently know about and how much time am I going to spend doing my current job as, as best as I'm able to. I think, frankly, the folks who work outside of companies who work at law firms, that's more a part of their job because they have a, a broader perspective. And that sometimes when I'm hiring them, I'm hiring them specifically because they have a broader perspective on like where trends are moving and, and, and what's the up to the moment uh, legal status, a particular question. Right. Um, but you know, my, my job involves me doing work. It doesn't involve me hiring other lawyers to do all the work. So there, there's only, um, a fraction of my problems that I'm able to solve that way by hiring other folks. Got it. And this is kind of a similar question, but, um, within your team, do you encourage, um, a culture of like continuous learning of, um, legal advances? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things I've learned just through the, the twists and turns my own career has taken is that it's important to be agile, right? And, and the challenge is, you know, lawyers are supposed to know the answer to the question they're presented with at the moment it's presented. So I, I actually think people oversimplify when they talk about oh, lawyers should be agile, right? Well, you know, like at any moment, 
the question I'm asked is the question I'm supposed to have the answer to. So, you know, and, and the law, like the law that I know at a moment is there's a whole bunch of law that I don't know. So it's not very easy to just go out and learn new things. I don't, I don't want to make that sound simple. Um, but over time I, I have come to uh, value, actually, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, one of the things it says about me is lifelong learner. Um, Cause I do think, uh, you know, I, I view myself as a constant work in progress and I try to get my team to think of themselves that way as well. Like we, when, when I, this, this thing we call law is too fast for us, anyone to master and, you know, be done with. Um, that's why they call it practicing law. Right. Um, so we do always have to be looking for ways to expand our horizons while doing it with humility, right. Recognizing that if we're asked a question, we don't know the answer to, we have to say, we don't know the answer. We, we, we can't make it sound simpler than it is uh, to learn a part of the law quickly that um, is not to be learned quickly because there are certain people who have uh, real expertise developed over a long period of time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as a manager overseeing a team of um, who are working on different pursuits and initiatives, um, what leadership strategies do you employ to ensure effective collaboration and productivity in any in, in evolving legal landscape? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into the details of how we structure our team, but the, the way we break up the work is that there's me and two other lawyers who I manage and we each try to have a, what I call a client focus as opposed to a subject matter focus. So instead of saying like Michael's the one who does, for instance, privacy contract language, and one of them is the one who does, you know, deals in the metaverse or, or whatever it might be. We say, you know, one of them supports um, people who roll up to a particular SVP and I report, I support people who roll up to a different senior vice president. And, and so we, we break it out that way. So we're not overlapping, but then to your point about coordination, you know, it's a matter of, and this is part of the hard part, we, we could spend a lot of time each telling each other about what we're doing for the purpose of making sure that uh, anything I'm doing that might be relevant to them is socialized to them or that we're avoiding overlap as much as is possible. Um, it, it's an ongoing balance to strike, to give each person autonomy to do their work the way they need to do it and to stay in close enough contact that we're not running the risk that, you know, we're doing very similar things, but we're going about them differently. Um, because we, you know, you, you don't want to be reinventing the wheel. You do want to be uh, creating efficiencies by building upon, you know, if we found the solution in a particular context and a different context is similar, you want to build upon uh, the answer we got as much as is possible. So I, I don't claim to have a perfect answer. I view it as uh, an ongoing process that involves both communicating uh, and yet balancing your time so that you don't spend all of your time communicating and you actually each have some flexibility and autonomy uh, to work independently as opposed to, uh, you know, in conjunction with the other members of the team. Yeah, got it. Um, that was very valuable. Um, now to begin to close off, um, if you had the chance to go back in your life, would you still pursue law? Um, just kind of looking at based on what it's taught you in your life? Yeah, you know, uh, those kinds of questions are hard because there's definitely things about it I don't like, right? So I don't, I don't want to be cavalier about saying, oh yeah, I'd do it again. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm relatively happy where I am, right? So it's like the movie Back to the Future. Once you go back in time, you're changing everything, right? You have to be ready to. Uh, you, you basically have to say that I'm, I'm ready to 
change everything and, and, and think that by doing that, I, I land in a better place. And I don't know if that's true either. Right. I'm, I'm happy enough with where I am. So I, I guess the way I view it is there are real things not to love about being a lawyer. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't change it. Um, I guess the way I, I try to maximize my own happiness, uh, back to the previous point is just to continue learning and continue, uh, looking at new areas of the law. And always allowing for the possibility that, that something I'm not an expert in now is the thing that, that's going to make me uh, interested and happy for the next few years. Like a year ago right now, nobody was talking about generative AI. And, and now I've actually counseled, we use the phrase product counsel. I've served as product counsel on certain generative AI tools um, that Walmart is launching. So I think for me to maximize my happiness, it's a version of that. It's a version of finding new areas of the law that are exciting where there aren't people who have a 15 year head start of building an expertise that I don't have, um, that I can pay attention to as they evolve. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that directly answers your question, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it differently. I would do it again. Um, but it, it's a, it's a less than, uh, deeply enthusiastic endorsement of a career as a lawyer. Cause there's, there's things about it, not to like, yeah, definitely. Um, and if you currently did not practice law in your current field, are there any other fields of law that you think you might be interested in practicing? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, the big unanswered question for me is whether I would have liked litigating if I didn't have the particular litigation career that I had in terms of, you know, three trials, including one that was particularly contentious, um, and the only reason I, I mentioned the name of my adversary is because he's he's famous now for, for pushing the line about what's acceptable, right? So when I was living through that and thinking, I can't believe this is what it is to, to do a trial. Like, I, this doesn't seem right. Um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, there was a lot about it that wasn't right, you know? Um, but I'll never know, you know, would litigation have been the right path Um if my litigation career was a bit different and I, and I had been exposed to a different um, cast of adversaries, that that's the, that's the most logical one, right? If I had to do a different uh, path within law, that's probably the one, because there were good reasons why I started down that path. Um, and maybe in a slightly different set of circumstances, it would have made sense to continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this is my last question. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's um, an aspiring lawyer um, about going about during the practice of law? You know, I, I guess I would say try as many different things as you are able to while you're young and while your employer is willing to give you that flexibility. I, I remember when we were going through, like, recruiting in law school. And, you know, there's this decision to make between litigating or being a corporate Or there's other you – know, obviously, there's some people who are doing, like, patent law or, or had particular specialties. But in, in, the, in broad strokes, the, the decision most folks were making was, am I going to be a litigator or a corporate lawyer. And to me, like with my instincts that I wanted to be a litigator, I was like, I don't understand. These two things are so different. How could folks be conflicted, right? Like you either want to be a litigator or you want to be a corporate lawyer, but like how, how could you actually be conflicted? But now with the benefit of hindsight, I, I see how people could be conflicted. And here I am as a former litigator who made a transition. Um, but to the extent any young lawyer has flexibility um, before they are you know, pegged into a particular hole, um, to, to try out a variety of different things. I guess that would be my advice. 
Great. Thank you. That was, this was very um, interesting and very meaningful. Thank you very much for coming on my podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I hope I, uh, I gave you the kinds of answers you were looking for. You definitely did. Thank you.